Welcome swimmers and swimmers. I'm your host, Garrett McCaffrey. And joining us today is the associate head coach at Arizona State University. She's entering her sixth season down in Tempe. She's Rachel Stratton Mills. And this is the Swim Swim Podcast. Thank you so much for making time today. How's it going? It's great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. How would you grade the first month of the season for the Sun Devils down there in Tempe? Yeah, it's been, it's been I think, our best start to the season. We did some things a little different in terms of we completely separated for the first three weeks, all women training together, the men training together, and the pros doing their own thing as well. And that was just a tremendous change for us. And it's been a really nice way for each team, each group to establish their own culture. I think it helps the freshmen in a smaller group kind of get to know everyone and feel like they have a place there. And so, you know, those first three weeks were really an, a really good foundation. And then, you know, we we're now a week and a half in to the next phase into training groups, but it's been a, it's been a great start for us. I think our best yet. Is that a lot of extra time on deck for the coaches to do all those separate practices that way? No, we don't all attend all of them, right? So I'll just be at, I would do dry land with the women in the mornings when we started, do some pool work, do the, the swim in the afternoon. And so our staff really would each, you know, kind of, we split ourselves up. So we were handling one of those groups, but we weren't all at everything. Just It's just not possible time-wise because we the women would be in the pool when the men were lifting and vice versa. So. Got it. So give us a glimpse into uh, let's say the toughest set that the women's team has done in the water so far. Um, great. Well, I can talk a little bit about what we did last night and it wasn't the entire women's team cause we're in our training groups now. So it's the group, the Kiwis, which is the group I work with primarily and, I know we've gone over all our fruit names that we have our groups. And so the um, Kiwis are really women swimming 200, 150. Um, and so on Wednesday afternoons, I have them do some percent effort work. Um, and so we did that last night, really. What I did this year is made everybody a training card. And on that training card, they have their best time. And what 80% of that is 90%. And we have those written down. And so it's writing a set and kind of guiding them of where they should be. And so last night we were doing some work. We did a 200 round and a hundred round and getting them doing some work, alternating from 80% up to 90% and really giving them those targets to hit. And, um, and so they were moving a little bit yesterday and it was really exciting, right? Getting some of them um, racing each other and, and pushing times that, I don't, I haven't seen some of them even do last year, even, you know, deep into the season. So I think giving them the guidance on that percent and then knowing what they need to hit has been really great. So last night was a really good example of that and, and just starting to get after it. I mean, it's still early, but, but we're starting to get after it a little bit. So the, the sprinters are the Kiwis, I guess, right? 200, 150. What other fruit names are there for the groups? Okay. So We'll start at the top, our, our milers, open water type swimmers are grapefruits. 
And then there's a group which is four IMers, 200 butterflyers, 500 freestylers. Those are oranges. And then there's a group of 500 freestylers, uh, two, maybe two back, two free. Um, maybe people who need a little more volume than the kiwis. Those are apples. Then it's the kiwis, which I mentioned. And then the mangoes are uh, the male sprinters or the males kind of 150 type swimmers. So that that's our that's our fruit group. And if we're all together, we call it a fruit salad. So when did those names start becoming part of the, the culture? And is that the first season of them? And that I'm assuming that all of those go for the men's and the women's team for those groups. Yeah. So the, the mangoes are all men. The kiwis are all women. The apples are split. Um, and then there are two women in the oranges and there are two women in the grapefruit. And then otherwise it's the, primarily men. But we started that a few years ago. And I think we'd always had, I mean, it's definitely something Bob would always implement in workouts in terms of trying to get away from sprint or distance labels. You know, we want to find what training is right for each athlete. And it, it's not necessarily what your best event is. It's what your background is, what you're capable of doing, what's going to get you to the next level. So we have them named after that to get away from that notion of like, well, you're a sprinter. So of course you have to go here, right? Well, it's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, Jack Dolan, who's our team record holder in the 50 free uh, was training in that oranges group, which is really that four IM group for the last few years. So that's why we started it that way. And and it's been that way for a few years. We've been solid. This is our third season of those same fruit names. Um, but we've been doing something kind of to that idea since, since I've been here. So. That's very cool. It's, you know, we talk <laughs> about some sprinters versus other sprinters. It's comparing apples to oranges. So it's very clever. Exactly. Like That's the first time I've heard of it. So um, I'm surprised to hear you guys have been doing it for three years. What are you doing different this year? What's something different? I mean, you talked about those specific cards for each swimmer, and that seems fantastic going right along the lines of what you're talking about, that they're all individualized, coming from different backgrounds with different strengths. Um, is that something you just started this year? And, and give me an example of something brand new this year that you guys are trying for the first time. Yeah. So I think the training cards, I, I've done those on the women's side. So that's a big part of it. Um, I'm just also trying to give them more access to their data and their results. So no matter what we do, I, I really have four workouts a week that we're writing it down. And then we have a spreadsheet, a Google sheet that they can look back at at any time they'd like showing them where they are. And so there's different points through the week that are very, so I'll write down their heart rates when we do kind of an aerobic color set and they'll see how that transitions through the season um, we'll time their buckets. So we have bucket kind of progression we do through the season and get those times down. Um, this percent effort I was talking about yesterday, having that written down. And so my hope is this season, and it's something that I didn't do in the past, is that giving them more access to their results and seeing how they progress. And, you know, if they want to just compare it to themselves and see their own progression, that's great. And if they want to peek at someone else's and see how they compared to that other person on their relay, you know, that they hope is on their relay at the end of the season. That's great too. Um, but that's something new. It's just trying to give the athletes and this is primarily for the Kiwis, but just trying to give them more access to what they're doing and also what they've done this season. And, and I, I think that's going to be helpful. You know, we have 
young adults who have everything they need at every moment on here, all the information in the world. And so I want them to be able to get their information too and see what they're doing. And, and, um, and I think that's something new and I think it's going to go a long way with the group. It sounds awesome. I'm, I, what, what things would you look at? Well, let me start this again. How would you say that the program has evolved ASU in your six years? How, how would you say it's evolved? Cause it's definitely growing. And I think that um, there's a ton of momentum building in Tempe um, what would you point to as the difference between where you guys are at here in the start of 2022 versus where you were in the fall of 2017? Well, that's a great question. We have, um, Chloe Isleta has kind of come and rejoined the group and she's one of our alumni and she's still training for the Philippines. And, um, and that's just been a, a great addition. And I overheard her telling someone the other day how different the program was than when she was here and that I was really happy to hear that because I think with any program, we can see the things that we need to do better. And as a staff, we're all constantly pushing for that and improvement. So I think the way we're doing things better is kind of the athlete experience for each and every member of the team. I know that's something that we all talk about as a staff. It's really important to me and to make people feel like no matter what training group they're in, what races they swim, even what level they're at, when they show up, we have something for them that's going to help them get to the absolute top of their potential and that we have a system in place that can help everyone get there. And that's changed the most. And that's just evolved with every year that our staff, we have a pretty consistent staff for how long we've all been here. And I think as we got to know each other and we figured out these groups and how we all fit together and, and serve all of our athletes. Um, we've gotten better at that every year. And to this year just seems like the closest we've been to firing on all cylinders in terms of every person is in a group, in a spot, a training group that is absolutely the best for them to help them get to, to the top level, you know, the top of their potential. So I think that's the way we change the most. And, and I, I hope that the athletes feel like, their experience is even better every year that they've been with us um, as we've honed in on, on, on figuring that out. And I think we're in a good spot. How good can the program be? Well, it can, you know, I, I, I'm a big look at where we are this year and let's just focus on this year. I mean, of course, like we can all say, Oh, well we can win. We can, but all we know, we know is we need to be better this year. Right. If we talk on just the women's side, 26 last year, that's not where we want to be. We're excited to have diving back, right? So we have two women on the boards. Um, there's four men out there on the boards as well. That's going to help. But for me, it's just continuing to get better, right? To move up at PACs, to move up at NCAAs, to qualify more athletes. And the more you do that, the more recruits are looking at it going, this is where I want to be. The high-level athletes are coming. I think the pros are demonstrating that. Is if all these pros are looking and saying, this is the program that's going to get me to where I want to be, I think the other athletes are going to continue to follow. So, yeah, do I think, you know, our women are going to be at a place where I want them to be top five in the next few years? Absolutely. But for this year, all we're going to say is, you know, we've got to be a lot better than we were last year. And I think we have the people in the water that can help do that. 
makes a lot of sense to stay present and keeping you know your mind on what you can control right now. But what are the steps that would need to happen to get you to be a top five program? Yeah, so I think we just keep bringing in athletes who believe in what we're doing. You know, I, the ones we have in the water are tremendous. You know, we're the women's teams led by Lindsay Looney, got second place at nationals this summer, just had a good year last year, a great summer. She's one of our team captains, and she's constantly looking for ways for herself to improve, and that just shows such good leadership to all the women. So we have, from what I've seen, the best group of women in the water than we've ever had since I've been here. And so that's step one, getting them to perform at the big meet, step two, and then having the athletes see that and, and athletes who are, um, you know, these the recruits who we're talking to are coming on visits, can sense the team culture, how positive it is, how exciting it is, how hard they work. And we're just going to keep bringing those athletes in. Now, our freshmen came in in shape, ready to go, Garrett. They were there on fire already. We're just going to keep doing that year after year and bring the athletes in to match this program and the training we're doing. And, and I, I know we'll get there. You've talked a little bit about the pros and even how it kind of affects recruiting a little bit. How does that play into people being more interested when, you know, you get people like Simone coming in and, and uh, all the athletes that have come in in this off season, how does that change the program? I, I just hope it shows people that, you know, swimmers have faith in what we're doing, right? We have to be able to coach them, got to coach them up get them to where they want to be, have an understanding of all aspects of swimming from not just the NCAA, but international competitions. And so I think that just shows people that there's a lot of great swimmers out there who believe in the program we have here. And so, of course, I think that brings some recognition and it brings a lot of people you're saying, I want to know what that's about, because if they can help Simone, Olivia, Jay, Chase, right? then they can probably help me get to where I want to be as well. So that's what, that's what we're hoping for. But, um, but it is definitely it brings some excitement to the pool deck too. changes, changes the energy a little. As a staff though, you have to be aware that it changes energy and it also, I don't want to say divides energy, but it is something that you strategically have to plan for when you're accommodating for, for postgrads and stuff. How have conversations within the staff gone about how you kind of approach this? Yeah, I, th I think what we're doing has is worked really well in terms of just like we're doing with every other group, the pros get folded into the training group that makes the most sense for them. And so they're not all of a sudden you have eight people in one training group taking that attention away from the collegiate athletes. So um, I know on a given day, a few days a week, I have four of the pros. And then on some days I have two. And they just kind of move around to what we've all sat back and said, okay, here's what our weekly plan looks like. How is this going to help each one of them? So I think that helps, right? Um, it, it helps the college athletes feel like, well, I still have coach paying attention to me, but I also get to race somebody who's a gold medalist, right? And so I think that's helping a lot. It's not one group overloaded, one coach trying to manage it all. I think we're really sharing the load and helping each other out when needed. And so I, I think that helps a lot. All right. Last pro question. And really it's a Rachel okay. question, but stick with me here. So okay. Leah, Neil, or sorry. Uh, yeah. Leah Neil swam with 
Simone at Stanford, right? Did it, yeah. So what do you think Leah told Simone about your coaching and where was she wrong? Because you've evolved since that point when you coached <laughs> Leah back in that 2010 to 2015 range. Yeah, that's a great point. Actually, it's it's fun because I have we have Simone and Olivia Smaliga on deck and I coached on staff for Junior Worlds in Peru and it was both of their first trips. And so it's been it's kind of fun to just see them on the pool deck now after remembering them um, when they were just young coming on their first Team USA trip. So, um, yeah, I, I hope in any way that <laughs> Leah talked about me, I've evolved, right? I've had a lot to grow and learn since those, you know, our asphalt green days. I mean, it was, that was tremendous, but um, it definitely, I've grown a lot in, in how I train, but I, I also think in just how I communicate that with the athletes is something I've really tried to grow with. I, I wish I could say, just do what I say and it's all fine. And I don't think any athlete should just blindly follow. I, I think as, as young adults, we should, teach them that it's okay to know what they're doing and the why behind it. So I would say that's how I've evolved is, is just explaining that more on a daily basis. I try not to let the group leave practice without knowing what the next practice is, you know, because I, I just think it shows them, you know, how, what we have going on. Right. I mean, I've told them they could see every practice between now and mid season invite that I have written. Sure, I might tweak some things. I think any coach should be able to make some adjustments that far out. But I would say that's the way I've changed the most is just really making sure I can articulate it. And then how I had to coach Leah as a high schooler is very different than Simone as an adult, right? And so that that should be a big change too. And um, but yeah, that's uh, it's we've come a long way <laughs> since since 2012. Let's dive into that a little bit more. What are the differences between coaching club where you have a ton of really successful experience and coaching college? What are the, what are the differences for people who haven't been able to coach at both levels and, and reach the top of both levels like you're, you're doing? Um, yeah. What, what's the, what are the biggest differences? Well, I loved coaching club because I feel like you have such a huge influence on these young people's lives because you can know them for 12 years, right? If they start when they're little and you know them all through college. Um, so I love that aspect of it, right? I just, I, you get to watch them grow from children and there's athletes swimming in the college scene now who I knew as 10 and unders in New York City, right? And so that's really fun to see and that's a really rewarding aspect of the job. Um, in terms of college, you obviously have a lot of regulations like NCAA regulations that you're having to work through. Um, but I think uh, for me, college is the right place to be, especially with a, having a child at home, right? I have an eight year old and, and I'm able to have dinner at night, which club is not possible. So that's, that's where I, I, I have wonderful memories of coaching club, but I think for me and, and kind of, balancing family and career colleges is, is really good for that. Just, you know, the schedule is, is nice. On top of your experience as both club and, and college coach, you also 
um, did something really cool in between your last two jobs between Asphalt Green and ASU. You did 15 months where you just traveled around the country and visited programs. Um, what was a college team during that trip that really impressed you and why? ASU. We came here. It was actually okay, kind okay, of... Okay, okay, okay. Got to go outside of ASU. <laughs> I, I pr- okay. can appreciate it, but give me one team outside of ASU that impressed you and why. Yeah. Um, so I would say we de- we definitely primarily did club, not 100%. And I know that, you know, but I would say without mentioning names of every club team that gets sticky as a college coach, um, I would say the clubs or college teams we saw that we were really impressed by were the ones that had really clear systems in place of what they were doing. Right. And they were all different. The teams that I could sit back and said, these were our top five teams that we saw. Um, They had teaching systems in place, whether that be right. A technical teaching progression to teach the strokes or a training progression, but they were really organized in what they were doing. And it is amazing. You could go visit these huge clubs that, you know, you would think are successful, um, but they didn't quite have something in place. And that made it hard for them to be successful year after year. So I think what we're looking for, right, with success is it's one thing to hit it one year. I think we all kind of hope whether we're coaching a college or a club, we want to be able to reproduce that success year after year. And I think the ones we saw that were the best just had some system in place and they were varied in what it was, but that's the ones that we saw year after year really do a great job. And that really impressed us when we visited them. It's a great answer. It's a really good answer. And I think, you know, all of that experience that we've talked about throughout this kind of makes you a very, um, valuable resource for any area of the sport. And recently USA Swimming announced a new program, uh, the Women Coaches and Governance Program, which uh, you're a part of. Can you kind of give us a little bit of insight into what the program is and and what your role is going to be with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, you know, Allison Beebe is, is heading this up and she's just a tremendous voice for females in our sport. And I know she's wanting to get more women um, into governance as a whole in our sport and into leadership roles. Um, And then putting a series of these kind of talks, just like I did earlier this week for this group of women who are wanting, are committed to wanting to be more present in leadership roles. And I was amazed, kind of did these introductions. There were 60 women on, on this Zoom couldn't introduce everyone, but they have a system already set up of like each week in each Zoom, they introduce six of them. Man, the collective number of years these women have coached, but if you looked them up on Swim Swam or you had chatting with people at nationals, for the most part, their names wouldn't come up. And and I, I think that something with this is making every female coach felt seen I know personally, sometimes as a female coach, it's really easy to feel invisible um, (laughs) because as like the talk I did this week, sometimes you often are the only female in the room. And so there's some challenges with that. But I think this this panel and this group of women are really trying to say like, hey, let's come together and let's help bring everybody up and, and have everybody have a voice and impact the sport. And so I think it's a really awesome program. What do you think a site like Swim Swam can do to help support that kind of movement and 
obviously, hopefully just, you know, podcasts like this and making sure that, you know, everybody is recognizing you and all of the experience and value that you bring. Um, but what other things can a site like Swim Swim be doing to help get some more recognition for more of these great female coaches? Yeah, I think continuing to find ways to highlight them is is really important. Um, and, you know, I know on on some of these cases, you know, it, we we always, when we speak to people, interview people, we ask questions in the way we think, right? I mean, it's just what we do. And so what happens with a lot of them with male interviewers, I don't find this with you, Garrett, but, you know, you're asking the questions um, that you might think of, the things you want to speak of. And so I, I think having women interviewed, but also perhaps having females interview the females would be really nice. Um, and I heard Mel Marshall describe this as there's masculine and feminine topics and coaches, not male and female. There's masculine and feminine topics, right? Masculine, perhaps energy systems, the numbers, that type of thing. And the feminine topics can be more towards team building, right? And the mental side of it. And her point was amazing. We all have to get better at both sides. It shouldn't be one or the other. So I, I think having someone interviewing and asking questions on both sides is really important too. Um, and then as as females, I, and I talked about this out the Zoom, being able to speak to both sides of that is important. I spent a lot of time perhaps speaking more about these feminine topics, so to speak, because I think they're so relevant, right? Um, but also I've worked really hard at being able to speak more towards the other topics as well and the training and the energy system. So um, I don't know if I'm exactly answering it, but I, I think keeping that in mind when doing these interviews and, and highlighting female coaches is, would be really helpful. Well, I think you're absolutely doing a great job of kind of helping explain the circumstances and the situation. Can you just to help me and hopefully the viewers understand a little bit more of what you and Mel are talking about when you talk about feminine talk topics versus masculine topics, you kind of said masculine training, um, but obviously that's stuff that we've talked about a little bit and, you know, you're very capable of discussing as well. So can you just explain what that, what those like with examples of what those differences are? Yeah. Uh, I, and I would say if we did this interview <laughs> two years ago, I wouldn't have been capable because I find myself over the years, if I'm on the pool deck chatting with other coaches, I would gravitate towards, again, some of the topics that Mel describes as more of the feminine type topics, right? Which is the team building, the um, how the athletes emotionally are handling the training, right? The The mental aspect of it all very important. So again, both areas are important. This isn't to minimize one or the other. Um, and that's something I would gravitate towards. And if I was with a group of female coaches and I can sit back and be like, well, that that's what we talk about, right? That's what, as a group, with, we would just naturally come to speak about those topics. And so I've been trying, I, I started a, um, kind of like a, a WhatsApp group as well with some, with some female coaches and um, trying to just talk about the training, the physiology, the numbers and, and bringing that forward because I wouldn't have been comfortable to talk about that as much a few years ago. And, and so I've worked really hard on that because I work in a staff where that is like 
number one in our office. And, and so I shied away from it because I felt like I, I hadn't had the practice of speaking about it. And then I'm surrounded by people where that is like, you know, physiology is king in our office. Right. And so I had to work really hard at being comfortable having those conversations. And, um, and so I think with, you know, for both male and female, like I said, Mel said it perfectly, we all have to get better at both sides of it. I think gone are the days where you can't worry about one side or the other. Um, but I do, you know, I challenge any female who isn't as comfortable. I, I said this in this group, I'm happy to share my season plan and talk through it with any female coach who feels like they're not comfortable doing it. Cause I spent way too many years not being comfortable talking about those things. And that didn't help me grow. So I, I think that's something that, that we can all help each other with. So. I think you even sharing in that way kind of is helpful for all coaches, male and female, just that kind of, yeah, vulnerability and, and uh, in progress that you've made. So thank you for sharing. Let's transition from um, working in the office to how you separate work from the home life because at home um you know swimming could probably be a topic at the dinner table every single night with your husband glenn mills who you know is an olympian and also runs his own swimming uh website and does a bunch of lessons and is a swimming expert as well um right how do you draw boundaries at home so that it's not just all swimming all the time we don't there are no it's just it's chaos i mean it's like all swimming. I mean, I think somebody, when we went in before our wedding a long time ago, someone's like, are you going to have it swimming theme? We're like, no, we drew the line there like that. We don't. Um, it is, it is really difficult. I mean, I can just pick my eyes up and see our endless pool, right. Where, um, Glenn is doing lessons and, you know, we, the clients always enter through another entrance, not through the house. And I do not go out there and we try to do little things like that. Um, but, he is just days away from the launch of their new app, which is just this tremendous resource. I was able to play with it this summer. And basically with your phone or your iPhone, you can walk down the pool, film your athlete, and then with his app immediately get 10, 15 data points in terms of stroke count, velocity, velocity off the wall, the speed of the turns from flag to flag. We're really able to just use that pull the athletes out, film them, pull them out before their next repetition. Look at the data. This is how we have to make a change. But he's, you know, he's on a Zoom to people in India this morning, um, his developers at 6 a.m. And, you know, I'm trying to get a workout in and Maddie wakes up. So really, there's very little separation. But um, it's his is more of a tech aspect, right? So when he talks about it, it tends to be more tech related happens to be on the topic of swimming, but there's definitely um, a lot of technology, which I have very little understanding. So I just nod my head and smile a lot. Um, but I think that helps a little bit, right? It's It seems like it's all swimming, but when he's talking about the business, a lot of it is tech related. So do you ever come home with, you know, questions about technique with one of your swimmers that you're just having trouble trying to figure out? Or are there ever any times that you utilize his expertise um, in that way? Yeah. So that, I mean, definitely I have questions and I use his, his resources a lot. Right. 
um, in terms of like, unfortunately, during the school year, we can't use him um, because that would have him be kind of like an outside consultant or a volunteer. And because he's so busy with lessons that it just complicated with the NCAA. So I don't really get to use him, like have him on deck as much. Um, but I, I definitely pick his brain often. And then I will most definitely use this app. Like I can't wait to just be able to use it every time we go off the block. It's so simple. I know that's going to be a big game changer. So. Yeah. And then does, I guess this is the same question, but in reverse, does he come home and, or does he ever have a, an athlete he's trying to fix their technique and he wants your perspective on it too? It goes both ways. I'm no. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. And a lot of it is like, there's some, <laughs> you know, with the level, he's working with a lot of triathlons. He's so good at what he does. Like, and so he has a lot of professional triathletes or, you know, some, some club kids who I couldn't help and speak to. I, like, I, I don't go out or see whenever he's working with a prospect of prospect age. I completely separate from that. So usually we separate that and that's kind of a good thing. Like I don't, when I come home, I don't want to <laughs> watch someone else swim unless it's Maddie. Yeah, you're right. And I forget too, because those NC2A rules can get kind of limiting and how you can help in those areas, but right. let's try to get for the last question away from swimming, if possible. Um, I think it's important that coaches have a little bit of uh, priority on themselves and their own mental health. And, you know, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot, you know, self-care, make sure you're taking care of yourself. How, how do you take care of yourself? Um, what do you do for fun when you know that you have an opportunity to kind of get some time for yourself, what, what would you do to take advantage of that time? Um, I do like working out um, and exercising and going to the the club I go to. I, I just call it my happy place. And like, I just like being there. It's just like really good energy. Um, but then the rest of the time, I, I just really like to hang out with my daughter. I, I mean, I, I think as a coach, there's some really wonderful advantages of time of when I can be home and I can come home after morning practice and take her to school. And I, I love that time. And, um, but I, I like being with her. So I, if it's free time on the weekends, we like going out to breakfast on the days I don't have morning practice. Sometimes we'll, she's an early riser like me. So if she sleeps in past six, it's a miracle. So, um, so going out to breakfast, just being together. Um, and, I think that's something I want to teach her. Like we don't, like I don't have her using technology during the weekdays at all and, and just valuing the communication and the, the time we spend together. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And I know I, because I know I won't have that, right? Like I, there's a certain amount of time before she's wanting to go to her friend's houses and, and off out in the world without me. And so I just try to enjoy that. And this is the most embarrassing thing, but I'm going to tell everyone we play Just Dance on our Nintendo Wii. I, I think my team is tired of hearing about it probably because I demonstrate some of my moves, which are terrible. But uh, we just started doing that and that's so fun. And it's just this like great way we can enjoy each other and we just you know move everything out of the way in the family room and just dance terribly with each other. And, and so I just try to just enjoy the time we have even if there's not a lot going on. And so... Um, that that really after a long day of work or no matter what's going on at work when you come home and you put on some ridiculous pop song and dance all your cares go away it's great stuff 
Really appreciate that answer and all your answers today have been awesome. I mean, concise and, you know, really kind of effective as far as getting to, you know, some information that people can use. And so I really appreciate that very much. Um, I got through a long list of questions, but I think there's a ton of information in here for a lot of the listeners. So um, I really learned a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for your time, Rachel, and, and best of luck this season for the Sundays. Thanks for having me, Garrett. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.